On today's episode, I am extremely excited to have married couple Brad and Lisa Gullickson, the hosts of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast, a podcast that explores the various dynamics of comic book relationships throughout pop culture and publishing history. Each week, they tackle a new storyline or interview a, a new creator, bringing a lifetime of passion to the conversation. I want to welcome to the comic book kaiju, Lisa, the love expert, wife Dork Gullickson, <laughs> a comic book obsessive, a seasoned cinephile, and a monkey's maniac. Lisa, welcome to the show. That, I have never had a better introduction. That was accurate and wonderful, and I loved it. Thank you Excellent. for having me. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you very much for joining us. And Brad, the bodacious mouth Dork Gullickson, has been lost in the void of the four-color form that we all call comics. Welcome very much, Brad, to the Comic Book Kaiju. Oh, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Lisa's intro, better than mine. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem with having a, a, a partner is this, it's hard not to compare and despair. I blame your obsession <laughs> with the monkeys. It I really know. makes you stand apart from me. It gives me color, a little a little something, something like, ooh, she's <laughs> she's a little weird. Oh, so excited to be here though. Thank you for uh, having us on, Vector. Yes, thank you very much. And if you are not following the comic book couples counseling podcast, as well as Brad and Lisa individually, you're missing out because these two are both the brightest beacons of positivity on the internet. And I am very thankful whenever I see their content. Uh, Brad, you actually just started, speaking of positivity, a public access movie review show on PGCTV in Maryland. <laughs> I, I sure did. I sure did. It is a very strange and surreal dream come true. Something I never imagined ever doing, but thanks to my buddy Brian, uh, young, aka at the Turtle Dork on all social medias. Uh, <laughs> we're doing this wild venture together, and uh, I'm loving it. But also, it makes me extremely um, vulnerable because uh, it's not everything I want it to be immediately. Yeah. Right. Like, and by by that I mean myself. Like, I mm. want to be in full roger ebert mode <laughs> i want to have full command of my language and my memory and suddenly you put those cameras on and my brain leaves me so it's been a real uh, learning exercise the hardest thing about doing something new is that you know you're always going to suck at it when you start and like your first attempt will never meet your taste level yeah right yeah just go back and listen to the early episodes of comic book couples counseling or don't <laughs> <laughs> we love those episodes we would not be here without them but at the same time it's just like Ooh, it's not our best work not our best work <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. Anytime I start a new project or specifically a new podcast, I always say, man, I got to get these episodes out. I got to get stuff under my belt so that I can just get at least 1% better with each episode. Mm. And specifically, actually, I found that with YouTube recently where it's there's there's so many moving parts to video versus audio. And it's I would say it's about double twice the work of doing audio. So I've just been learning and trying to research and, and figure out how, how to get better, like, like I said, on each episode. And also, I've been trying to get better at podcasting. I, I've been podcasting since 2005, but I still have not equaled the level of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. Uh, so, I'm sure that's not the case. That can't I, be possibly true. <laughs> I have to know all of your secrets, all of the things that you would tell someone who is a new podcaster who's starting out like what's something that 
you didn't know when you started out? What's something that you've learned over the years um, as a podcaster? Mm, I mean, my go-to advice for anybody who wants to get in the game is to just do it mm. uh, and not worry about whatever access to technology you have. If you have a phone, you have a microphone and yes. you have probably access to the internet, just upload those conversations immediately. Just start doing it. Um, I think what held us back for the longest time with comic book couples counseling is going, I mean, certainly like if I go back and I look at the in the mouth of darkness days, which is the podcast that Lisa and I had, uh, several, several years ago, we started that in 2015, I want to say, um, it took a long time to get that going because I thought I didn't have the skills to edit it, uh, to put it out on the internet and you, you do, you do have the skills. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned over our journey of podcasting is, um, it only gets harder like <laughs> as you kind of raise the bar of what you can accomplish in one episode. Um, I think that um, for every one edit you hear in comic book couples counseling, there are a thousand edits. Um, I think one of the great things and one of the hard things about um, doing a podcast with your lover is that <laughs> you like you can say things like, you know, you have to stop. We have to redo that. Like we, you don't have the filter of like, I'm, uh, I'm inconveniencing someone who is not my family. You yeah. like, you don't have that. So, um, every episode is very edited, very thought out and takes several hours to record to get that one, one hour and 15 yeah, minutes. Several episode. hours is probably being not accurate. It's like, hundreds of like when we say several it's like it takes forever to put one episode of mm -hmm. comic book couples counseling out and that that's not even including you know the, the, the reading the research the note taking we've really turned comic book couples counseling into an incredibly inefficient way to do a podcast <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's just how we do it and we, and like we put out a product that we love so yeah. it's always like worth the effort yeah absolutely i would also add like advice wise not to worry about how many people mm, are listening that's a good one if you have more than you listening like <laughs> if there is another person listening on the reg that is a victory and if you don't see that giant increase early on don't worry about it because usually what happens certainly in our case it's only when you have like a year's worth of content that people start actually listening to the show that goes mm. back to what vector was talking about what you were talking about is like you have to establish that body of work. So when that person finds you, who's going to be a lifer and follow everything that you do, they're going to want to have that body of work to refer back to as you're working hard to get out your weekly episodes. Yeah. 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 And then you have to be comfortable with people celebrating and enjoying your earliest episodes. Like we were just saying are our worst episodes, <laughs> but people still will go to them and love them. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think one of the best things about your podcast is the I, the take that you have of, okay, we are going to analyze couples and from a, a standpoint of a counseling couch. Um, and I was actually curious where that idea came from. Because when, when I first saw that, I said, 
this is a brilliant idea. And the fact that you are a couple in real life, that just adds to the authenticity of it. And the way that you're approaching it is just fantastic. So wh who, who came up with this idea? I did. I came oh, up with the idea. I'm so brilliant. proud of it because um, I am like, I've always really enjoyed self-help culture, mm. advice columns, like ask, like Carolyn Hacks or of course, um, Abby, dear Abby. And um, so, and when we started talking about doing a podcast on our own, I was reading the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, who is one of my favorites. And, um, and I was also listening to a podcast called by the book and by the book is like another podcast that like they'll take a self-help book and they'll read it and then they'll live by it for like a mm -hmm. week. And then, um, and then they'll like do an episode of like, how did that go? And so like, um, I wanted to do a like by the book spin on comic book couples but that like that wasn't really doable and so then we came up with the comic book couples counseling title i think you came up with that title and once you said that title i thought oh that's that's really neat it just sounds mm -hmm. cool and you know we had been doing in the mouth of darkness and we loved that podcast but that is a podcast where it's just four people talking about whatever random movie came out that week. And there are so many podcasts like that. And there are so many podcasts that just discuss comic book news or, you know, uh, single issue reviews, graphic novel reviews. And this was something that just on the surface to me as a comic book fan go like, Oh, I've that's, that's weird. I don't know another show that's like that. And you know, how could I not go, yeah, we got to do this. I also wanted to find a format where I could talk about stories the way that I enjoy talking about stories. Sometimes I feel like when I'm in a cinema space or I'm in a comic book space, there's a lot. Or talking to your husband. Or talking to my, my best <laughs> friend, my, my lover, um, that uh, a lot of um, value is placed on like recall of mm. I can name all of these people and I can recognize all of these actors and I can memorize all of these factoids. And that is not my gift. Like that wasn't, I wasn't like that kind of nerd in high school and I never really like worked that muscle. I was like a choir kid. So mm. I'm like, yeah, I can't name everybody in Knives Out, but I can woodshed a tight harmony. Like that's, that was my particular skill set. And but it's so often that skill set, like people, like myself that really appreciate and love that they accidentally fall into a gatekeeping behavior. And I mm. think a lot of us have experienced going into a comic book store and feeling like, Oh, we've been nerded out of it. Yeah. You know? I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough to participate in discourse, and which should become, never be the case. You've become so ugly with your knowledge and your trivia. And Lisa has really helped me go like, uh, you know, Brad, you're being <laughs> like super gatekeeper. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. I just wanted to tell you about the Claremont era. But like, <laughs> I'm a huge believer in like, I'm not interested in doing criticism. Like I use um, media as an opportunity to talk about myself and talk about the ways that I think and talk about how um, 
cinema and comic books and, and has all influenced me and made me the person that I am. I think that's interesting. And, and, every, and it makes me curious about other people too. Every time you watch a movie or read a comic book, what you're really doing and what you've helped me do is find yourself within that narrative. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, every film has a piece of you already in it. Every comic has a piece of you already in it. You just need to excavate it. And that's what we do on comic book couples counseling ultimately. Yeah. And that's something that, like I said, the most unique aspect of the show, and it really has been established that this is something that I'm not going to see elsewhere. This is not something that I'm going to see on, on my podcast feed or on any other place online. So I, I just have to give you immense kudos for uh, the creation of the show, as well as um, there's two different types of episodes on your show. One is where you analyze the couples and kind of the, like Lisa was saying, how your how you fit into it. What how do you analyze these uh, fictional characters and how do they interact with each other? And it's not always just the man woman or let's say um, husband wife. You do like the Ninja Turtles, the brother, the sibling um, relationships and, and things like that. But you also have the creator corner episodes where you're interviewing a comic book creator. And I have to say um, your skill for finding these creators is amazing to me because every time I turn around, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that, that, that they could top themselves. I didn't know. Oh, there's Alex Ross. There's Tom McFarlane. There's like, I was like, every time I see a new creator's name on my podcast feed, it just, my mind just explodes, re-explodes every single time. So <laughs> I have to give you kudos on both types of episodes because they're both unique and they both bring something of value to the listener. And I, I, I just really enjoy that mixture that you've created for the episode. So um, all that is to say, how do you get these wonderful <laughs> toys, these um, amazing creators? Our brains are also exploding. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we have one of these outstanding guests on our podcast, we really do feel like we've cheated the system. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it feels like we've tricked the world into allowing us access to conversations with creators who we have, admi have admired since childhood. And I, like, I, it, it, I, I'm in, I'm in awe of it. Um, I like, how did it happen? I mean, how it happened is, is we, you know, like this is such a weird show. Cause it is like, like, this is what's so great about comic book couples counseling factor. But <laughs> when we started doing the show, um, because I think we had such a unique spin on things, people were listening and the right people were listening and people got excited and started asking if they could come on our show. And I think a few key creators came on and when that happened, it was like the floodgates opened mm. and we are forever in debt to Tom Scioli, uh, who did fantastic Four grand design, Stephen Bissett of Saga of the Swamp Thing uh, fame and Scott Snyder. And once Scott Snyder came on, then, you know, that was like a uh, calling card that shows like these two folks are really nice. They have interesting questions. Um, I, you know, uh, it's like, a, what's the word? It's not a calling card. It's like a we passed a test for certain creators. It, yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah, and and they they 
uh, happily uh, asked to come on. Now, it also involves a lot of emailing, and we always are reaching out to publishers and publicists, seeing if people are available. And so we do have people that we're hunting. You know, Neil Gaiman doesn't know this yet, but he's he, going to be on the podcast next he year. He is the ruler by which we measure all guests. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Like that's that's somebody. When we, we get Gaiman, that's when we've truly made it. Yes. We've been, you know, emailing every uh, avenue to get to Neil Gaiman. You know, through Netflix, through you know, publishing houses, through his books, like every avenue, someone has received a comic book couples counseling email. Brad also um, writes for FSR and film he, school rejects, and he does a lot of um, interviews with filmmakers and and um, celebrities and that kind of thing. So I think that that's also a skill he has honed elsewhere. And mm. I think like one of the main things with that is like, I think a lot of people are afraid to send the email with the thought of like, if this publicist or this creator rejects me once, they're going to remember that and they're going to reject me forever. And I think the number one thing to remember is these people are saying no a hundred time. times a day. Mm, yeah. And so they're not going to remember your first email. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times they're, they're answering those emails day to day. Yeah. So if you hit them on the right day when their heart is open, you could have an opportunity that you would have never had if you didn't ask. Yeah. Always ask always and ask. keep asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a, like a life advice. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And I can't wait that now that I know that when I see Neil Gaiman's name pop up on my list of comic book couples counseling, I'm going to say they did it. They did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very yeah. happy about that. Yeah. Like that would, that I don't even know what I, I don't would know say to, to that. Yeah, we would we would really have to like go into some sort of Zen mode to work our way through it. Yeah, well, I know that happen. you will ask the right questions. I think your research is also another thing that makes you guys stand out, um, Lisa. I, it's the questions that you ask are so intuitive. I think your uh, curiosity um, is is a strong point and. I, I just have to give you kudos for you. the interviews that you guys do and, and the research that you do. So a hundred percent kudos to you. I wanted to ask both of you, how did you get into comic books? How did you get into reading comic books? What is your comic book origin story and what kind of locked you in and said, okay, I'm going to be a comic book reader. This is, I, I'm doing this now. Um, you can Bradbury. go first because your history is longer. And in birth order. I'm yeah, and birth order. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I don't remember a time before I before Star Wars, right? So like mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. starts with Star Wars for me. I was an obsessive uh, fanatic regarding those films as a child, uh, the first three films. And I was a I was a movie kid and I was a TV kid. I watched He-Man and G.I. Joe, Transformers. I was an 80s kid. So those things were uh, just my lifeblood. And in when I was 10 years old, my dad retired from the Navy and I was already a movie maniac. And we moved across the country. We went from San Diego to Virginia. And I was not happy about it. 
I did not <laughs> want to go. I did not want to leave, leave my friends. I did not want to leave the state where all movies were made. Uh, like it just, it's was something I just was vehemently against. We were renting a home in Burke, Virginia, and we were going to the realtor to get that all sorted out. And next to the realtor was Joe Gumbinger's used books and comics. And I wandered in there because I didn't want to be at the realtor because that was boring. <laughs> and on the shelf of Joe Gumbinger's used books and comics, I saw an issue of G.I. Joe. Um, I'm, I think it's 108. I can't remember off the top of my head. Storm Shadow is crashing through some sort of ceiling. Uh, and it's not the it's it's like the good guy short storm shadow costume, you know, when mm -hmm. he after he had left Cobra <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, well, I need this. And there was an adaptation that Marvel Comics did of Robocop 2. And my parents had just told me that I was not going to be able to go see that in the theater. I had started watching R rated movies at home with my mom. And she was okay with that, but we couldn't go to the theater to watch RoboCop two. And I was like, aha, I can read the comic book. And so those were my first two comic books. And once I read those, I was hooked on the art form and my dad was trying to get me to read and get away from movies a little bit. And he said, you know, every time we come back to this comic book store, I'll buy you whatever you want. And it started with, you know, Dark Horse was publishing like Predator comics at the time. So, of course, I had to get those Predator comics and Terminator comics. But eventually I got, I got an amazing Spider-Man issue. Uh, again, I can't remember the number, but it was Venom Island, Eric Larson illustrated Ooh, issue. Yes. And once I read that, I was like a Spider-Man maniac. And then suddenly <laughs> I was a Marvel zombie. And I've been reading comics every week since then. I've been going to comic book stores every week since then, with the exception of like two years after high school, like my first two years of college, I stopped reading comics, but then I, I learned the error of my ways and I got back <laughs> into them. Thanks to Mike Mignola's Hellboy. Oh, and yes. So that's really it. Yeah. And what's your comic book origin story, Lisa? Oh, well, I'm happy to tell you. <clears throat> Brad already knows. Um, so I did <laughs> not grow now. up reading comics. I uh, was very much, I didn't even grow up with Star Wars that much. Like I had watched it, but I was way more like um, Disney princess, musical theater. I had a really hardcore Sondheim phase. And um, <laughs> monkeys. And monkeys, obviously. And, um, and the most exposure I got to comics was comic strips and comic Ooh. strips growing up were huge in our house. And, and they still are where part of the ritual is that each person takes turn reading the funnies. And my dad has like this way of like passing the newspaper and pointing at like a comic strip for you to read it and just like share a laugh. He won't even say a word. <laughs> yeah. He just slides the strip and across then, the breakfast and bar. And points with like a little chuckle. It's really cute. Yeah. And I loved, like, I think my a lot of my vocabulary and sense of humor goes directly to Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Um, and I also, I enjoyed Garfield. I just enjoyed funnies. Then I went to, I finished high school and I went to college and I got a crush on a boy who was into comic books. And so it felt like a rite of passage, like another test if to read Sandman. So Ooh. the first thing I did was read all of Sandman super fast. I retained nothing. It was like a fever dream. <laughs> and then um, he passed me Watchmen and he passed me um, The Dark Knight. 
And I was like, oh man, you know, like, like a, a, <laughs> uh, reading comics will get you nerd boys. And that turned <laughs> out to be my thing. Um, but then after we stopped seeing each other, I wanted to keep the relationship with comic books going. And I went to George Mason University and right across the street, there was a comic book store. So I started going in there by myself and I would just, I knew nothing. So I would just go in and pick up a book and then go to Ellie's Deli and like eat a sandwich over oh, a comic Ellie's book. Ellie's Deli. I yeah, do you remember? I will never forget that smell. It was so unappetizing and yet I ate there all the time. Um, <laughs> And so finally, I was like, I want to take this relationship with comics to the next level, and I want to open a box. So I went in, and I told the guy who worked there, okay, I'm ready to open a box. And he told me, I don't think you like comic books enough to open a box. You really have to be a comic book fan to have a box. Oh, man, this story makes me so pissed. And so I stopped reading comics, and I, and I didn't go back until um, I started dating Brad. And Brad was the one who really was the like he he was the person who made it safe for me mm. to start reading comics and he valued my opinion even though I knew nothing and it just and then my love just grew from there well because you weren't like entrenched in comic book culture the culture that produced a, a shop owner who would kick you out of the store and re refuse to take your money, which is as a former retail manager, uh, the most absurd thing. Yeah. Ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but also <laughs> not surprising given what the culture was like in the nineties and early aughts of, of comic book shops. Uh, but like, because I grew up in it and because I was like obsessed with like Marvel trading cards and knowing all the stats of like the power levels and power sets of superheroes, I I had lost what was so great about comics in the first place, and that is character and treating mm. the characters as if they are real. And so Lisa approaches every story as if she's reading about human beings. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the point of narrative. Yeah, I go to comic books just like a Disney movie, and I go like, oh, what's the romance? Who's going to who's going to start kissing? I could not be more excited. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and like Lisa's made me a better comic book reader. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. The way that you two play off of each other and the strengths and weaknesses kind of balance out. Um, I think that's fantastic for not only the show for the podcast, but also for your life. And I think that's fantastic that um, Brad was able to rescue you or resuscitate from the uh, from the the comic shop owner pushing you over, Brad was able to throw you a lifeboat um, and bring you back onto the comic ship. So that is fantastic. That also makes me mad as well um, <laughs> that somebody would do that. But that is definitely, like Brad said, the culture. And um, I've been to many shops that were not female friendly, not new comic reader friendly. Um, so there's been quite a few of those in my day, but I, I'm always looking for the shops that are uh, open, uh, inclusive, have everyone in mind of uh, when they, when they're making recommendations. Also looking at the people who work there as well um, to see, Hey, are, are they open to anyone being a part of this um, comic book world? So yeah, that's always, that's always interesting when I'm looking at new comic book shops. 
Um, I also wanted to ask because another part of my favorite thing about your content that you put out is your recommendations. Um, anytime, and you just put out your best of 2022 list that that you're building. Yes, um, we're working on I'm, it. We're working on it. I'm very much excited to. Uh, have you read Supergirl, Woman of yes. Tomorrow? Oh yeah, love it. I'm very much excited um, to to hear all of your recommendations. But I wanted to ask for not the best of the year, but the best of right now of December 2022. As we are recording this, I wanted to ask Brad and Lisa, what is your favorite comic book right now at this moment, this very second? Uh, for me, it's definitely Daniel Moore and Johnson's Do a Power Bomb. I love that the way That's my answer. <laughs> I love the way that he approaches stories. Um, he really is in it for the relationships and he can like it's a comic book about wrestling, which is a thing that I am not even like it's hard for me to to foster curiosity for. Um and he makes me love wrestling and love wrestlers. And um and yeah. Daniel Warren Johnson does this thing where you approach the comic and on the surface, I just respond immediately to his art. It mm. is metal as hell. It's so <laughs> gnarly looking. Yeah. Uh, it is very unique when you look at the landscape of comics. But as you were reading the series and it happens very quickly in do a power bomb. Mm -hmm. You like you read the first issue of do a power bomb. You're like, this is weird and wild and I'm <laughs> into it. And then you get to issue two and he reveals something that I won't do here, but he reveals a relationship in that story. And you're like, Oh no, now I'm invested. Mm -hmm. All right. This is life and death. And then by the seventh issue, and it doesn't happen until the last panel of that seventh issue you are weeping. Mm -hmm. You are crying. You have had such an emotional experience. And it is badass comics, but it is also the most human and heartfelt comics. I think he's very theme forward and very big picture forward. And I feel like within the context of a story, he's asking really important questions that like I, as a human being, ponder as I, you know, as I lie in bed at night, like trapped with my own thoughts, you yeah. know, like, am I worthy? Um, do I have what it takes? Yeah. Um, does my love justify or not justify this action? You know, like all of those things are really important. And the, the fact that he invites you into ponder these things with him through his stories is just really special. Uh, and so since Lisa went with do a power bomb, I am going to go with the original graphic novel ducks by oh, Kate yes. Beaton, which I just read and I was devastated by in the best possible way. It's a memoir. It's about her experience right out of college, uh, going to work at the oil fields in the oil sands of Canada, a very isolated zone and a very masculine, uh, misogynistic mm. zone. And it's about what it's like to be one of the few women in that world. And, and, and the questions of whether that isolation and just the culture of that masculinity pervert the individuals that are within it and turn them into these beasts or are we all 
all our our dudes, our men, already beasts outside of this isolation, and this is just their playground in this particular place. And I, I like I was I was floored by the storytelling. Um, Kate Beaton is obviously an incredible cartoonist. The acting on her characters' faces is next level, and it's it's just it's like it's a it's a very prescient comic book. It's not necessarily a fun comic book at the same time it's also about somebody who is discovering their own cartoonist abilities while in this environment so there are these moments where comics are suddenly celebrated amongst these oil workers uh, and she's seeing what skill and what what an effect her skill can have on people as she is starting up live journal and putting her cartoons, Hark of Vagrant out onto the internet for the first time. So like there is a delight in that as well. Um, but if I, I don't think you can finish 2022 and put a top 10 list together without reading ducks. I have to read it. I haven't read it yet. And do a power bomb. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've seen ducks on pretty much every best of 20 even in Same. the middle of the year i was yeah. seeing like oh yeah this is one of the best you got to read it so I'm, I'm with you lisa i bought it immediately when i saw that recommendation but i haven't had a chance to to read it yet we so have I'm a fat stack of stuff we have to read before the end of the year yeah yeah it's gonna be stressful but also <laughs> wonderful a, a great time a great time that's fantastic. Culture does and, a lot of the weeding for us. Like, yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. But like, right. I also like when I see all these lists, you're like, okay, ducks is on it. Yeah. No brainer. That makes sense. Um, you know, like galaxy, the prettiest star should be on your love list. It. Like, it's great. It's awesome. But I also love throwing stuff on there that people missed mm. or people yes. would dismiss. Mm -hmm. And my book where I'm like, you got to read it. And I know, like, I know it doesn't sound like it's going to be high quality because it's a celebrity's comic, but it's the Rizzas, Bobby Digital, and the Pit of Snakes from Z2 Ooh. Comics. This comic one looks incredible, and I can never pronounce the artist's name. The, I, I, I actually brought my copy to the computer. <laughs> Visual aids. Um, the, the artist's name is, uh, how would you say that, Lisa? Vasilis? Vasilis Lolos. Yeah, Vasilis, Vasilis Lolos. It's a kung fu comic. Uh, you know, it's the Rizzo Wu-Tang Clan. That makes sense. Um, it is a philosophical exploration of self from the point of view of Bobby Digital as he is going through this landscape and having fights with characters who represent the id, the ego, and the superego. It's very heady, but man, it looks rad as hell. And it does have a revelation at the end that I should have seen coming. But when it happened... I didn't care that it was obvious. It was so perfect for the RZA and it just, it delighted me. And it's a book that I see on no one's lists. I don't see mm. people talking about it at all on Twitter. Uh, I feel like it's just me and the RZA talking about it on Twitter <laughs> and I need more people to read Bobby digital and the pit of snakes. And Lisa hasn't read it yet, I have not. but we are going to do an episode on it at some point because it really does fit into comic book couples counseling's session episode. It's a man's relationship with himself. Yeah, it's a man's relationship with himself. Which is and important. that man oh. just happens to be the RZA. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And I will now check out that book for sure. Um, that is fantastic. Like I said, your recommendations have never steered me wrong. So I will 100% put that on the list. And I wanted to say real quick, Lisa, about the pro wrestling. Um, my wife had a similar um, situation where she 
thought wrestling was dumb from the beginning. Like, oh, professional wrestling is just two guys punching each other. And when she met me, not only did I introduce her to comic books, but also I told her, you know, there's a story behind this. This is basically a soap opera for men. And she's like, what? And her my, her eyes, like her pupils dilated, like expanded. And now she loves professional wrestling. Uh, we've gone to a couple of events. And I think the storylines for me are what always, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're punching and they're fighting. But in the back of my mind, I was probably hooked on, oh, wait a minute. Is Hulk Hogan going to get taken out this week? Is Andre the Giant <laughs> going to step on his head? Like those Things fascinated me. And then as I got older and they the storylines, I think, started to age up as well, started to mature. Um, I I found that. I, well, actually, I found that storytelling in all forms. I think you two are the same. It's it doesn't matter the medium. It doesn't matter the format. A good story is a good story. And that's always what I'm searching for. I'm always looking for what is a good story? What are good characters and professional wrestling? Surprisingly has that um i don't think it has been necessarily marketed that way but that it's interesting that that doer power bomb puts a spotlight on hey this is the story behind you know what's going on and um i there's there's two different storylines there's the story that's going on in front of the camera and then there's the story going on behind the camera so i just found that to be fascinating and um yeah, that was I knew I had lightly stepped in it when I was like, my heart is closed to professional to professional <laughs> wrestling. That's not the whole story. You know, I think that um, I, like, I'm sure that if I had the time and the energy you have, we both went to our first we did. professional wrestling. Match. And I found it intoxicating. Yeah, yeah. Um, we went to a, a, a match in Baltimore, WWE. Our friend Jason uh, refs for uh, the WWE. Ooh. And he, you know, he's like, you got to go to a game, a game. He didn't say game. <laughs> he said match or whatever you say. Yeah. Whatever you say. Uh, Lisa and I are, are total ignorance when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> but we went to Baltimore. We sat in the stands, and it was yeah. Lisa says intoxicating. It was intoxicating, and we wanted to like join in on everyone rooting for people. So we just looked around. Yeah, well, who's clapping for who? I had a lady sitting next to me, and I would just transparently just cheer for whoever she was cheering for and um i feel like i feel like we had a moment yeah. i don't know how she, she felt about it because we didn't discuss it <laughs> and but... there was like one guy right in front of us and he was like in his 20s yeah oh and, this was the best part and then there was a child who was like five years old 10 and 10 years 10. old and the two of them were strangers but they connected in their love of wrestling and they were dancing and they were like you know, really discussing the interest, yeah. intricacies of the form. <laughs> and so when that match ended, or those matches ended, oh, I sound like an idiot. We uh, don't know what we're talking about. Jason <laughs> took us down to the ring, to the mat, and we got to touch Ooh. the mat. And, and I was like, there's a pandemic on. This feels unsanitary. No, I did it. I touched it. I loved it. I got that energy. I felt that juice, that that uh, uh, that machismo. Yeah. I was into it. You I also feel the circus of it, though. Because yeah, like you go to this this place and they have this huge mat and it's like this sacred space where the magic happens. And then literally the second the TV show stops, the second the show stops, they start disassembling mm -hmm. and yeah. taking that show on the road, awesome. which is another thing that I find. Like, I feel like I would watch a professional wrestling reality show. Yeah. 
for sure. I'm sure they exist, right? Yeah, yes, they, got to, right? they do. Yes, um, uh, many. And they have a whole network um, that has not only reality shows, but also documentaries on each one of the wrestlers, yeah, things I mean, that happen. And I've watched, I've watched wrestler documentaries. Yeah, like Dark Side of the Ring and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. I... I am a nerd for enthusiasm. If if someone like like I love to see someone lose their mind over a piece of culture. Yeah. Um. So 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 maybe your heart isn't closed. My heart wrestling. isn't closed. Uh. You know, like <laughs> I, I'm right right now. I'm in the middle of writing a review, and um, and I was like, okay, is uh the age of thirty eight when I get into Ninjago? I don't know. Thanks a lot, Tri Vuong. <laughs> like, you know, like. Another comic recommendation, uh, Tri Wong's Garmadon series is awesome. I would say read Machine Boy first. Yeah, Everyday Hero Machine Boy is better. So uh, good. It's like, both are great. It's like the up of comics where you like, you're just like, you start reading it and just from the opening scene, you're like, my my heart is broken. Like four or five pages into weeping, Everyday weeping, Hero weeping. Machine Boy, both of us were crying. Total mess. Yeah. So and good. we had them on uh, the show to talk about it. And I started crying with them. I mean, <laughs> I was like, it was embarrassing, uh, but love that comic. Yeah. yeah so okay. good. I have to add that to my list. Um, everything that you're saying is right up my alley. Um, so that's a hundred percent. Lisa, I know you've been doing some amazing artwork Aww. for the upcoming Howard the Duck screening at the Alamo draft house in Winchester coming that's next month, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, excited. January Tell me 29th about- at 4 o'clock, Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. Tickets are $8, okay? $8. Yeah, and we, we have been stocking up on giveaways and we'll we'll um have like little postcards of our of the art that i've been doing yeah in addition to partnering with the alamo draft house we're also partnering with the winchester comic book store four color fantasies which is one of the best comic book shops in the country eisner, eisner nominated yeah Ooh. um and they are going to be selling comics at the screening like that's one of the things like when you go see i don't know like the suicide squad or avengers endgame black widow whatever I like I love those movies. I love them to death. I'm an MCU maniac. But I wish they would promote their comics a little bit more. So it's nice to do like a screening of a masterpiece like Howard the Duck and be able to sell comics <laughs> at the screening. Yeah, yeah. We want these to be very comics forward. Yeah. Cinematic experiences. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've been doing art for it. I've been doing um I've been uh Howard the Duckifying um, <laughs> album covers. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know, like, I kind of hit like a mental block of what album cover I would do next. I'm open to suggestions, Vactor, if you have an idea. My uh, art skills are actually pretty limited, but growing, so, but growing all of the time. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So you've done well, an homage to The Clash, mm-hmm, London Calling. That was my first one. An homage to Taylor Swift's 1988. And or 80, 86 89 i forget 86. whatever yeah. not a swifty sorry <laughs> uh, heart isn't closed if uh, you're a swifty no i love i love taylor swift but like i love it in like a greatest hits kind of way uh-huh. uh and her not it um, she's a person she's a person and then you did uh the david bowie, bowie uh, yeah. uh homage aladdin sane aladdin sane yeah. yeah would you would you be able to do michael jackson's thriller with howard the duck's head on his body that is actually a great suggestion i like that idea. i could give that a go <laughs> i like that idea. like i really want to do the prince 
album cover Ooh, yes. where he's sitting on the purple um, rain pur- the purple rain album cover where he's sitting on the motorcycle yes. but i'm like can i draw a motorcycle i am not sure you can, you can. <laughs> howard the duck on that purple bike and then in the doorway you have beverly yeah yes. yeah i know that's yes. exactly what it would be yeah. if i had the skills i like i just started trying to teach myself procreate like um i i generally just kind of like do pencil sketches and then i'll like ink them in outline like i don't even shade like uh like very limited art skills but procreate has made it so i can make a thousand mistakes and you don't ruin the paper um so it's so been so fun watching you play world opening yeah skills wise yeah that is fantastic i can't wait to see what you have coming up next and if you're in the uh, Virginia area in the Alamo Draft House, Winchester area, definitely check them out. I'm thinking about buying a plane ticket just to fly over there and get an eight dollar Howard the Duck screening ticket. That would we'll be get fantastic. Well, if you come, we'll buy your eight dollar ticket if you fly to Virginia. Candy. Oh man, I cannot. I I, I need to talk to my wife, but that Candy would be too. amazing. She, she's yeah. welcome. Yeah, both invited, both free tickets. Just leave your child at home alone. <laughs> Uh, we can we can even spring for the kid. Is it? Ooh. Are they ready to see duck tits? I'm not sure. What age? What age can um, you see? What if t- if tits are for humor? Child <laughs> children should get to see it's them. PG. It's PG. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are the principal. Um, you can guide. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, you know, I could talk to both of you for the rest of the day today and still be fascinated. I think the only solution is to please invite you to come back again onto the comic book kaiju because i love everything that you do i always want to spread the word of hey there's something good over here there's something positive that you should be checking out so anytime i see the comic book couple comic comic book couples counseling cbcc podcast i always uh perk up my ears light up and i want everyone out there to check out all the links in our show notes um, Instagram, CBCC podcast. Um, I don't know if Hive's going to be around, but <laughs> Hive, Twitter, uh, all the places. I'll have a link to your uh, website as well in the thank show you. notes. Thank but I, I just cannot thank you enough for number one, not just coming on the podcast, but for being beacons of hope in this world. Brad uh-huh. and Lisa Gullickson, thank you very much for appearing on the Comic Book Kaiju podcast. Thank you so much. Um, we uh, we did the the fawning over Vactor um, off mic, but since we're here, <laughs> we've been following Vactor for years. We've been following Vactor since when his Instagram was literally just food and shoes. Yeah, I think and we're we, hitting a decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a very enduring online friendship with Vactor, and I'm so excited that. We are talking in person like, oh, dude, I cannot wait until we are like holding hands, doing a little ring around the rosary. I said ring around the rosary. That was a. uh, Let's go with it. Uh, Yeah. I'm tongue tied at the opportunity of being Vactor's real life friend. Yeah. This is like a true honor and a privilege to be on your show. And we would be like thrilled ecstatic to come back on and that episode does not necessarily have to be about us next time yeah we can talk about anything <laughs> <can> do anything <laughs> well i can't wait um i think i'll have you on for another recommendation episode of what is what everyone should be reading because we definitely need more of that in our lives and i'm looking forward to the comic book couples double date um as Aww. it were 
So yeah. that will be something to look forward to in the future. But I want to let all of our listeners and viewers know that Brad and Lisa love comics, and you should too. 